Today is our third week of Global Impact Month. And, and this is a huge part of our vision to have a global impact. Yeah, missions captures a, a, a big part of the heart of this, of this house. At the Grace Place, we view missions as anything that meets a need or saves a soul. And our vision is both local and global. You hear us say this quite a bit. I'm going to say it again today. At the Grace Place, we aspire to gather together, grow together, give together, and go together. Now, in this series so far, we've talked about gathering and we've talked about growing. Today, we're going to talk about going. I want us to take another look at our theme verse for our series. It's found in Matthew uh, chapter number 28, verses 19 and 20. Understanding that the title of our series is The Assignment. Say, The Assignment. Let's read our text. Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So according to this verse and according to what Jesus says, what is our assignment? To go, to go. Well, I'm going to ask, and then I'm going to endeavor to answer four questions about going. And the first question is this, that is why should we go? Why should we go? And the answer is twofold. First of all, because we are commanded to go, right? We're commanded to go. In our text, Jesus said, go and make disciples of all the nations. And then in Mark chapter 16, verse 15 and 16, Mark recalls Jesus saying it this way, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every person. So, so why? Why should we go? Well, first of all, we should go because, because Jesus commanded us to go. It was not a suggestion. Why should we go? Second part of the answer is because people are counting on us. Why should we go? Because people are counting on us. I ask you this morning, has the church forgotten about the lost? The church in America today, the modern church, the church of today, has the church forgotten about the lost? Have we become so churchy and so trendy and so church growth oriented that we have forgotten what our main mission is supposed to be? Have we been saved for so long that we have forgotten about what it feels like to be lost? Our main mission, hear me this morning, should not be, say should not be. Our main mission should not be to become the coolest church in town. Our main mission should not be to become the biggest, oh, church in town or the one with the most impressive facilities. That should not be the main mission and the main focus of the church. Our main mission should be to get people saved and then get them discipled. Our main mission should be to throw out a lifeline to people who are drowning. Yes, our main mission ought to be to offer hope to the hopeless and help to the helpless. People are counting on us. I said people are, people are counting on us. Whether they know it or not, they are counting on us. Why? Government has failed them. 
Society has failed them. Sometimes even family fails them. Jesus is their only hope, and we know it. I said we know it. Oh, because we have experienced him. He has given us both hope and help. But oh, oh, have we had him so long that we have taken him for granted? Have we had his help for so long that we have have forgotten what most of the world, that most of the world are where we were before he rescued us? Why should we go? Because people are counting on us. They have a million questions and Jesus is the answer to every single question and we we know he is because he has become our answer but the question is this morning what are we doing about it what are we doing about it I can't seem to preach on missions without including Romans chapter 10 verse 13 through 15 so I'm going to read it to you one more time this morning. The Apostle Paul writes, and he says, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But then he says, But how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Second question I want to ask today is, where should we go? Where should we go? And the answer is into all the world. That's what Jesus said, right? Jesus said, go into all the world. But let me break this down into two parts. First of all, we ought to go into our world, our world. You see, all the world would include all of our world. Let me ask you this this morning. Do we take Jesus with us into all of our world, or is he just a part of the church world? Do we understand that our main assignment is to our world? The people that we do life with, our family, our friends, our co-workers, our neighbors. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 7, it says that, that Paul was primarily the apostle for the, for the Gentiles and that Peter was primarily sent to the Jews. What is it talking about? It's talking about the fact that they had their world, their world, their assignment, their world. In Mark chapter 5, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. After Jesus delivered the demoniac of Gadara of literally thousands of demons, this man asked Jesus if he could travel with him and go do ministry with him. But Jesus told him no. Jesus said to him, go home. Go home. Jesus said, go back to your family. Go back to your friends and let them see what I have done for you. They know what you were like and now they know what you are like. They have seen the change in you. Go to your family. Go to your friends. Go, 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 go to your world and let your world see what I have done for you. Amen. Where should we go into our world? See, see, so many who claim that they want to go across the world won't even go across the street. 
won't even go across the hall at work. Their own family, their own friends, their own co-workers don't even know about their relationship with Jesus. They're talking about going across the world and they're not even impacting their own world. Where should we go? Well, go into all the world, but that includes our world. But not only should we go into our world, but also, also we should go into the world of others. Go in the world, into the world of others. Yes, I said it. Our main assignment is to reach out to our world, our sphere of influence, but we should not neglect or ignore the world of others. Jesus said, go into all the world. There's a world out there that most Christians know little about. And if we're not careful, we can get so isolated. We can get so insulated from the real world that we become oblivious to the world of others. You know, we complain about $4 gas while most people in the world don't even own a car. We take for granted our clean, fresh water and our grocery stores with row after row stacked high with food. We complain when they're out of our favorite brand, when much of the world goes to bed hungry. We freak out about toilet paper shortages, and yet billions of people in third world countries don't even have indoor bathrooms. Fact is, most of America's poor would be rich compared to billions in third world countries. I haven't even mentioned, mentioned access to the gospel and a church on just about every corner that Americans only attend now once or twice a month when over half the world has still never heard an adequate presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And most of them have never even heard the name Jesus. Where should we go into the world of others? Acts chapter 16, verse 9 and 10 says, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after Paul had seen the vision, immediately he sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called him to preach the gospel to them. Oh, hear me this morning, people. There's a host of Macedonians. I said, there's a host of Macedonians. There's a world, a whole other world out there that we have shut our eyes to and we've closed our ears to. And they are crying out to us, come over, come over to Macedonia and help us. What will we do about their cries? Third question I want to ask and endeavor to answer is this, what ways should we go? What ways should we go? How in the world can we go into all the world? It's impossible, right? No, it's not. It's not. Well, pastor, then in what ways should we go? Well, number one, we ought to go personally. Personally. In Mark 16 and 5, Jesus said to all of his disciples, go. Now, some of us will go locally into our world and some will go globally into the world of others, but all of us are mandated to go. But where we cannot go personally, we should go through partnerships. 
Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, and he included this in his letter, Philippians chapter 1, verse 5. He said, you have been my partners. Say partners. Yeah, he said, you have been my partners in spreading the good news of Christ Jesus from the first time you heard the gospel, even until now. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 8, Paul wrote to the church in Corinth and he said, he said, hey, he said, I took from other churches by accepting their contributions so that I could serve you at no cost. Missions is about partnership. It's about, it's about partnership. It, it, it takes two types of people to, to fulfill a mission. It, it takes goers and, and it takes senders. These two types of people must form a partnership in order to fulfill the mission. We've already heard from one of our, our very own partners today. Tim Teague comes from a family of missionaries. His dad, Willard, Willard T, went to Ivory Coast over 50 years ago. He's about to turn 80 years old and he's still ministering to the Ivory Coast. His brother, Brent, also a missionary. I have been partnering with the Teague family through the churches that I have pastored for over 40 years. In my humble opinion, the Teagues are some of the finest missionaries that we have in the Assemblies of God. But they're just one of, of approximately 140 missionary families that we write a check to every single month. And oh, that made me proud. Pride's not good, but it made me proud when he said that we did not miss one month, even through pandemic, we didn't miss one single month. I can't tell you how many missionaries come to me and say, your church, you are the most consistent church we have. Come on, somebody. Am I the only one excited about missions today? Well, I shouldn't make you mad. Then you won't give me any money for missions. Amen. But I'm excited about missions. I'm excited about partnering, amen, with others to touch a world. There's a lost world. People are going to hell. But we can have a difference, make a difference. We can clutch, get them out of the clutches of Satan and put them into the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ by partnering with others that will go and share the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, we've got a host of partners, man. Man, we've got partners that are drilling water wells in villages that have never, ever had fresh water. The people are sick and dying because they're drinking the water, but all of a sudden they're getting fresh, clean water for the first time in the history of the village. And then we are telling them about Jesus who provides living water. Yeah, we've got partners that are feeding hungry children. But then after we fill their hungry bellies, then we are introducing them to Jesus, the bread of life. We've got partners that preach massive crusades and multitudes are coming to Jesus Christ. Whoa, we have partners that are training pastors. And that's exactly what uh, Tim is doing. And they train pastors. And, and we have those that provide Bibles for pastors that have never, ever been trained ever before. Never owned their own Bible. But through our partnership with them, they, they are receiving the word of God. And they're receiving instruction from it. And I could go on and on. And and on and on and on about our partners that we have. Oh, we 
send and they go. Well, let's look at our fourth question about going this morning. That is, when should we go? When should we go? Well, the answer again is twofold. Senders should go immediately by providing finances for the goers. We read earlier what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 10. He said that people will be saved by hearing the gospel. In fact, he said, whoever believes upon the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. But he went on to say they will not hear the gospel if someone does not share it with them. And he went on to say, how can the preacher share the gospel with the world unless somebody sends them? In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 16, Paul told the church in Philippi, he said, the reason why I was able to go preach the gospel to uh, in Thessalonica was because you sent me. I was able to go to Thessalonica. I was able to present the gospel to the Thessalonians. Here's the reason why I could go. Because I had a sender. Because there was somebody behind me. There was somebody that would finance me. There was somebody that would send me to Thessalonica. Paul says to them, you took... You took care of my financial needs so I could help the Thessalonians with their spiritual needs. Listen to me. Listen. This is how it works. This is God's plan. Goers and senders. But goers can't go unless senders send. I ask you this morning, what's in your heart? What's in your heart to go or to send? I'm praying that both goers and senders will be raised up in this house today. When should we go? Well, senders should go immediately by providing finances for the goers. Second part of the answer is goers should go as soon as they are prepared. Goers should go as soon as they are prepared. Prepared In Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13, Jesus tells the story of the parable of the ten virgins. There were five of the ten virgins that were wise. There were five of the ten virgins that were foolish. Now, there are a plethora of lessons that we can learn from this parable, but, but, but the one that I want to point out today is the lesson of being prepared. What made five of them wise? They were prepared. What made five of them foolish? They were unprepared. See, goers should not go the minute they are called. Say what? I said it. Goers should not go the moment they are called. Why? Because they would go unprepared. After accepting the call, one should then begin the process of preparing themselves for the call. And that's the problem in a lot of third world countries is that, is that, is that people hear a simple gospel presentation and, 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 and they feel a tug in their heart and a call to ministry and immediately they jump right in and pastor a church and they know it. They may not even have a Bible. If they do, they don't understand it. They've had no teaching. They've had no training. They just kind of tack on Jesus to everything of their past religion and, and what they've been taught and handed down over the years. Listen, 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 we shouldn't go the moment that we are called. After we are called, then we need to get prepared. 
Anybody agree with me this morning? Thank you. I wish someone would have told me that before I rushed into the pastoral ministry at the age of 17. My only salvation was that only, even though I was only 17, at least I, I, I was raised in Assemblies of God Church and raised in an Assemblies of God a pastor's home, but still, still totally, completely, absolutely ill-equipped and unprepared. Can you imagine the wisdom that oozed out of that podium from that 17-year-old pastor? Pretty sad, some of it, I guarantee you. One of the reasons why so many drop out of the ministry is because they don't take the time to prepare themselves for ministry. I'm so thankful that we are a part of a movement, the Assemblies of God. We are a part of a movement that values preparation. First, the call, then following the call should come preparation for the call. See, see, people who are not prepared for their call probably will not fulfill their call. Probably they will drop out somewhere along the way. You say, Pastor, you and Don made it. Yeah, but we're the exception and not the rule. It's an absolute miracle that we have made it. Fact is, statistics say that only 10% of people who begin in full-time ministry will finish in full-time ministry. Nine out of 10 who begin will not finish. One of the reasons, I believe, is a lack of preparation. Goers should go, but only after they've taken time for preparation. Oh, that's why it is so important that we we support, we support Global University. Wow, what an incredible, incredible ministry that trains pastors all over the world. That's why we are so heavily involved in fire Bible, putting a Bible, not just a Bible, in the hands of pastors that never had a Bible, but, but a Bible in their own language they've never had. But also, also the, uh, every single page has commentary, commentary from, a, from an Assemblies of God scholar. Wow. It's so important. I, I cannot emphasize enough. I cannot, I cannot come down strong enough on how important that this is. Title of our series is The Assignment. Before Jesus left this earth and ascended back into heaven, he left all of his followers an assignment. And the assignment is to present the gospel to every single person on planet earth. We are not supposed to stop until every single person on planet earth has had an adequate presentation of the Lord Jesus Christ, his life, his death, and his resurrection. But the assignment does not stop with just presenting the gospel. No, Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. It's not enough to get them saved. We must get them grounded in their faith. We must get them rooted in their faith. Amen. We must get them, amen, uh, educated in the things of Almighty God. We must mature them and disciple them. The question is, are we fulfilling our assignment Are we fulfilling our assignment both personally and as a church family? The takeaway for the message this morning is this. Our only option in missions is to be either a goer or a sender. 
only option that we have about missions either. We're either going to go or we're going to send. I don't know about you. I've done both. I like sending better. I like my comforts. Hello? I've gone. But you want to tell you something. You know why I like sending better than going? Because that's my call is to be a sender. I will tell you that the goers are not happy unless they're going. Amen. And I want to tell you that the goers are ready. They're, they're ready, man. They're ready. They want to go. They have a desire to go. They're itching to go, man. They're, 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 they're ready. But how shall they go unless somebody would send them? I try to do my best not to guilt people. I've done plenty of that. But I want to tell you, it's a privilege to be a sender. Is it my responsibility? Absolutely my responsibility to send or to go. It's my responsibility, yeah, but it's also my opportunity. I'm sure you're winning people by the thousands to Jesus, right? Right? Oh, no? How many are you winning to Jesus? Again, not trying to guilt you. I'm telling you, I'm telling you that there's a multitude of people. Listen, one of the reasons, I don't know, my theology could be all messed up here. I don't know. I've, I've, I've been in Pakistan. I've seen the blinded eyes open. I've seen the deaf ears unstop. I've seen the cripple get up and walk. I've seen it with my own two eyes after I prayed for him. And yet my wife is home with high blood pressure this morning. I prayed for her a million times. I don't have the answer, but I will tell you this. I think sometimes God will give us a miracle in order to ignite something. And, and, over, and, and, and overseas, man, if you could just get one miracle. And that's what Doug Eccles told me that in, in Pakistan. He said, Mike, he said, if we could just get one miracle to start with, man, this place, this soccer field will fill up. And we got that miracle and people came from everywhere. I don't understand. I don't understand. Here's what I do know, though, and that is, man, I'm going to do my part in my world, but I also want to connect with people in the other world. Amen. I want to see the multitudes come to Christ. And if if they're only coming one and two at a time for me, and there's other people that are able to see tens of thousands come at a time, I want to do my one and two, but I also want to partner. I also want to connect with somebody that's having a major influence. It's an opportunity to be a partner in missions. Amen. Hallelujah. Our only options in missions is to be either a goer or a sender. Which are you? Which are you? Well, actually there is another option. The other option is we can choose to ignore our assignment. And we can choose to be in disobedience to the direct command of the Lord. And it may sound like guilt, but it's just the truth. If we're not a goer or we're not a sender, then we're in disobedience to a direct command of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're giving you an opportunity this month, man. It's exciting to be a part of a church that's outward focused, not inward focused. It's exciting to be a part of, of people like Tim Teague. And, and uh, I just stepped over during the service and my daughter was singing. I wanted to make sure he knew that was my daughter. I said, that was my daughter singing. He said, yeah, no. I said, that's my son-in-law right there. I said, yeah. I said, they're pastors elect. I said, in April of next year, they're going to take over and I'll be gone. 
and uh, I'll be, I'll, I won't be lead pastor anymore. And I walk back to my seat and he walked back over to me and he goes, then you'll be available to go to the Ivory Coast with me. <laughs> are we goers or are we senders? Or are we neither? Or are we both? Are we both? I'm looking at a couple right now that are both. They're goers, they're senders. They, they, they send, but they love to go. We can be both, amen. Father, just take this word today. Lord, not the sermon that I put together, Lord, but the actual truths of your word. God, have I preached mission so long, 19 years that it's no longer effective? I don't know. I, God, I, I just know there's so much more potential right here sitting on our chairs today. We already do 10 times more than most churches our size do. But I also know we could double what we do right now just with the people we have. If everyone would catch the vision and catch the heart.